Welcome to the coaches meeting. That's the coach. I'm Grant Cohn. He's a coach. I'm honorary quality control. Kind of the way Kyle Shanahan is honorary quarterback. I'm honorary quality control. If you believe it, you can achieve it. Coach, how are you? I'm good, Yiggy. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good. Uh, you killed it on the last show. Stop. Just sort of educating the Niner fans on who these UDFAs are. There's a new one. A late addition to the crew. It's a very interesting story. Isaiah Winstead, wide receiver. He started off at Toledo mm -hmm. and transferred to ECU. Why am I forgetting why? ECU, East Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, didn't get signed right away. Put out a, a video of him basically cooking dudes in practice, one-on-one, -on -one, some really nice route running. Video went viral. The Niners gave him a call. And now he's going to be at uh, Rookie OTAs next week, and we'll see what he's got. He's going to... He's got a real right. shot. I think it's a cool story. What do you know about Isaiah Winstead? Um, I do know that he's put out a lot of production at ECU. ECU is a yeah. very strong team. They're one of those teams where they may not make a lot of fanfare as far as national attention, but they're a tough out. They're somebody who you yeah. don't want to play. And um, they have put out a lot of good skill players in like later rounds or undrafted free agency where Isaiah seems to be going. Um, what can I say? It's 2023 and this is the year of going viral, I guess. So yeah. he put out a good tweet and got noticed. Uh, you can't gotta help love notice it. that he, yeah, you gotta love that. Gotta and love it. Yeah. That he put yeah. out some of his best reps. He had some one handed phase that he caught. Um, nice. but let's, how does, what does that matter to us? He yes. could possibly be, he has a very long road ahead of us, but he right. would be a slot he would be in the slot role for us um, mm -hmm. and be a red zone threat. That's where I see him most helping us um, possibly for the Juwan role um, that we have in our offense. So uh, in his position, it's almost kind of like he's building the plane in the air, so to speak. Mm -hmm. He's good, yeah. you know, flying by the seat of his pants and I wish him the best. I don't know where he fits for us. Um, we're going to have to get in camp and get him mixing up with the boys, but uh, he, another, I hate, it's almost kind of like he fell right in our laps. Another veteran rookie yeah. who has a lot of reps under his belt, has a lot of experience. He's seen multiple situations and he's going to take all of that and it's going to get condensed into a rookie experience trying to make a veteran team. So I, I wish him the best. I feel like it's a good spot for him because at his particular skill set, 6'3", route runner, uh, questionable speed. I don't even know what his 40 is. They list it on draft scout as 4'7", but then his family wrote in and said it's 4'5". Four, four, so five. whatever, it seems like he has a similar skill set as Jawan Jennings, and yeah. not every team would know what to do with Jawan Jennings or would even want Jawan Jennings. The Niners mm -hmm. value that skill set, know what to do with it. Uh, only thing I would say to Isaiah if he's watching is, the thing that's interesting about Jawan is <clears throat> they identified him as a big guy as a, and a good route runner early, which is what Isaiah is. But Jawan, I believe, got cut. Like, Jawan had to prove himself and earn a role through sheer physicality. Yes. That's what did it. Blocking. Like, yes. blocking is essentially what got him on the field, and then it allowed him to earn targets. So if Isaiah is going to take anyone's job or get on the practice squad, like, he's going to have to go show some physicality in practice because route running is cool, but they'll find other route runners. Well, yeah, definitely. And, yeah. and you know what it is. Uh, Kyle yeah. is a receiver. 
you know, mm-hmm. by, by way of trade. You know, that's what he does. He and takes, he's like a big kind of slowish slot receiver too. Yes, like, you know what I mean? He's, exactly. He's very big on yeah. guys who get open with their skill. You know, yes. so you can tell that he always has a twinkle in his eyes for those under underutilized athletically guys. Um, this guy that are this guy. bigger. And yeah. yeah. And because um, it's him. That's his experience. Yes. He's six three. Yes. yes. And yes. if you look at it, you are right where if you're going to play receiver for the 49ers, you're going to you're going to block before you catch. You're going to block before you catch anything here. So ask Brandon Ayuk, ask Debo, like these guys all have to do it too. You you can't be the one guy in the room that doesn't block. Yeah. When they and, all do. You know, yeah. He's got a yeah. tough hill to climb, but he's yeah. got a lot of production behind him. And I'm, I'm, I'm just ready to see everybody mix it up. I like the way our, uh, our wide receiver room is shaping up there. Tay Martin is not even being talked about. Correct. Um, he's been on the team a year now. Let's yeah, see what he's got. So, we got a lot of guys. Then we picked up. Um, we picked up um, Jadakiss Bonds. So we got a lot of big receivers. So I, I like how we're priming competition in that room, especially for that spot specifically. I like. It. Yeah, and you know, rookie OTA, rookie minicamp. Excuse me, is next week, mm-hmm. and that's fun. It's just for the rookies. Last year, it's always interesting to see who flashes. I believe. I saw Dante Pettis sort of alligator arm uh, pass over the middle at rookie minicamp, and I was out at that moment. I was like, mm, not going to work. Not going to work. But Danny Gray, on the other hand, had like a big, long touchdown last year in rookie minicamp, and I was like, oh, okay, he passed the first test, but it didn't necessarily translate to a big rookie year, but it, I remember it, and it's why I don't write, write him off. I feel like he might be in the Aaron Banks category of guys who didn't really get a shot and not the Trey Sermon categories of guys who didn't deserve a shot. Well, to your point, rookies don't get the opportunity to ease into their role here. Um, You have to show worth right away or get shelved or get gone. Um, We'll see you next year or you're out. Yeah. Yeah. It's either we can shelf you and we'll we'll give you a little bit of time or you produce right away or you're gone. So uh, I, I just, I know that for, for, for Danny, if he's going to show production, he's got to have a leap with his body. He's going to have to have a leap with his overall game. And he is going to have to be a little bit more physical because we just don't know. Uh, oh, Jadakiss was not signed. Apparently, okay. he it was reported that he signed, but that he went on social media and said he hadn't made up his mind yet or didn't sign with him. So maybe that's why the Niners signed. Another reason the Niners signed Isaiah Winston, okay. sort of a big body, wide receiver Jadakiss. to replace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jadakiss. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, um, he's going to have to make a leap because sharks are born swimming here. You know, we, we don't have a lot of starting positions open here. So you're trying to fill a role more oftentimes than not. Jada kissed his chance. Goodbye. says Portolo. It was just as low hanging fruit. Good one. I, I liked like it. That. I liked it. All right, let's move on to, uh, Braden Willis, the second tight end the Niners drafted, um, he sort of fell beneath the radar because you're looking at the first tight end they took, Cam Latu, and upon further review of Braden Willis, who didn't test. I mean, we don't really yeah. know exactly what kind of athlete he is. When you've watched a little bit more of him, what are you seeing? Okay, so I goofed. I goofed. <laughs> and I am always going to do this. I am subject to change my opinion with new information, right? So uh-huh. I got an actual chance to look at, like, full games of Braden. And I said that not only did I say – I didn't say he was an average blocker. I, I kind of made a joke about how bad of a blocker he was. Mm-hmm. I'm completely wrong. 
Oh. Braden Willis can actually – he's a very good blocker. Oh. Very – and he's really good near the line of scrimmage in the red zone. Uh, he he comes – I don't necessarily think that he's he is as effective as an inline blocker coming off of the line of okay. scrimmage as a traditional tight end. But in that H-back role, coming out of the backfield, coming out of their wishbone sets, uh, he's very effective. And he's physical too. And he delivers a blow – um, I was wrong about that. And because of seeing that skill set and looking at what he brings, he's 6'2", about 230 to 40 pounds, and he's very fleet of foot. He's quick. I really could see him falling in the fullback H-back role for us. 6'2 is a little bit rich at tight end, um, but I wouldn't mind him at the H-back or fullback role. And I really do believe that we are – even though we we draft for the Well, hold Browns. on. Draft Scout has him at 6'3 and a half. So there's some dispute there on how tall exactly he is. But he's not as tall as Latu. I think he's at least an inch shorter than Latu. Yeah. I don't I, know. I just see I, I don't see know. Him, I, I haven't seen him in person I, yet. I see I see a lot more worth than I initially saw from him. I think what jumped out to me at first is the ball skills. Because yeah. that's what you saw. That's what you see when you first are looking for something special with the guy when you don't have time. And that's what I saw immediately. And I saw how he was used in a lot of the passing sets that he was put in. And he wasn't blocking. And I saw like a lot of like mm. chip blocks, um, mm. some like low effort things. But after you get a chance to actually put him in a position where he knows he's about to block somebody, where he is putting his hand in the dirt and coming in and fitting hand, hand, hat, and coming in and making contact, he's a vicious blocker. Uh, and I think that he, I can see why we got him. He's not just a finesse guy. I stand corrected. It was interesting to me, like, the Jawan Jennings role in this offense. He's a slot receiver, but I think Tariq Woolen kind of made fun of him on Instagram, called him a tight end, because the Niners kind of do use him as, like, an F tight end. Like, he does so much of that. He doesn't he, – he almost lines up – he lines up so tight to the to the formation so often. He, he blocks a lot. I mean, it seems like maybe Braden Willis could do – what Jawan Jennings does from a route running perspective, his route tree, his the blocks he's asked to make, and he's what thirty pounds bigger than Jawan Jennings. Yeah, I love what we do offensively because we create physicality yeah. at different levels of the field, where most mm -hmm. most corners or outside players are not going to get that interior brute force. They're not going to have. They're not going to be asked to do the manual labor laborious tasks physically that interior linemen and linebackers do. And that's what a guy like Juwan Jennings does for us, right? He takes that element of the game and puts it out at the slot. He mm -hmm. hunts corners and safeties where I love our offense because we make all 11 football players play football. And you mm -hmm. never know when you are going to get your head knocked off. I mean, look at C.D. Lamb, what Juwan Jennings did to C.D. Lamb when we played them last year in their place yeah. when he got right. caught slipping. They had to go that's meet right. with the Lord. You know what I'm saying? So Jawan will do that to you. Yeah. And Vicious. It, yeah. And when you yeah. have an offense that has a calling card of being the hammer and not the nail, you know, people, people, they don't like it. So call them a tight end all you want. Your ass right. better look out though. Exactly. I love that. And that's coming back to Isaiah Winston, like that is how you make uh, this team. Jawan Jennings made not just the team, but like made himself a, a a factor. Like yeah. he will he will kick your butt. He will hurt you. If you're if yeah. you don't have your head on a swivel, you have to have your head on a swivel against the Niners, not primarily because of him, but a lot because of him. And yeah. uh, Braden Willis, if you want to have if you want to have a spot in this team, you've got to be that kind of guy. Otherwise, I mean, it'll just be like your finesse. 
take it a step further, Grant. I mean, look at the type of attitudes that they try to bring into the building. Look at yep. look at Cameron Latu, like yep. a linebacker turned tight end. You know, right. like look at look the mentality. At, yeah. Yes, they yes. want that type of mentality on offense because we are a running football team. Correct. So we can't ease up on the run. What are we going to no. ask nicely to run the ball? No, we got to dictate. You know what I'm and saying? And that goes for Willis too. Like you can't be here as like the soft pass catching option. Like that person doesn't exist on this team. There so it's good no to hear that guy. he's a, no, no, no. Like even Ross Dwelly, who's supposed to be that guy, like works his butt off in at blocking. Works yeah. really hard at it, even if he's not great at it. Uh, Willis has to as well. It can't be something he's like modestly interested in because Kittle loves it. Latu loves it. And it seems like, you know, this guy does too, which is good because I like the way he catches the ball in traffic. I like the way he gets yards after the catch. And I I think it's interesting that if the Niners are looking at Brock as their long-term quarterback or at least their franchise quarterback for the next few years, getting two tight ends fits him. Like he likes throwing to tight ends. He doesn't really have the arm to take advantage of A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith going down the field, but he does have the skill set to take advantage of a couple tight ends. And the, the Packers did the same thing. They drafted that two tight ends in the top 78 or something. And then they yeah. drafted like Brock Purdy 2.0 and uh, that guy from Penn State, the quarterback. Yeah. I mean, and and, and he's motivated. I mean, I, yeah. I listened to I listened to his reaction to, you know, he was disappointed that he got drafted so late, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he actually, um, just on some background things about him, is that he actually – made himself into an option um, for that offense in Oklahoma. He was not looked at as somebody who was going to be focused on, but by way of transferring and transitioning that school, he stepped up and he actually became a leader. So there's a lot to Braden. Uh, and, you know, I was wrong. I, I didn't think that he was as physical as a player as he is, but he he's game. He's game. Hey, respect, Braden, if you're watching. And one thing I want to say John Lynch mentioned immediately after the draft when asked about Brayden, he's like, you know, we don't, we say this a lot, but we really had a fifth round grade on uh, on Brayden. We had no idea he was going to be there that late. We were so happy. Fifth round grade on Brayden. That's interesting because most people had a fifth round grade on Latu. So I think it's possible that there's really not that much separating them, that they're both good prospects and that, you know, we'll see which one emerges. They both might. It's interesting. Oh, you know, this this is not going away. You know what it is. I'm Team Latu. You're Team Willis. Let's get it started. You know, I, my man Latu. I'm being too hard on Latu because of his speed. I'm just writing him off. I'm sure we could find examples of tight ends who are good and run a four seven eight or slower. So Chris I'm open minded. I'm open minded, Cameron. I'm open minded. And, and and if if you see me, don't punch me in the face. It's more <laughs> about the team taking you where they did, not who you are. I think you're. A terrific young man with a bright future. Don't punch me in the face. Did you ever hear? Uh, I didn't read it, but my dad said he read the Mike Tyson uh, biography, autobiography, and that there he um, he caught Brad Pitt with his w- girl at the time. I forget what she was. And Brad Pitt was like, whatever you do, Tyson, Mike, just don't punch me in the face. <laughs> and Mike was like, uh, was it uh, Robin We're Gibbs? Good. Yes, yes. Yeah. She was, I guess, messing around with Brad Pitt. Mike Tyson yeah. caught him. And Brad, Brad Pitt was like, dude, punch me wherever you want to punch me. It's not in the face. And Mike was like, we're good, man. It's all good. I, Pretty funny. I ain't touching Robbie Gibbons, bro. <laughs> uh, okay. Rod Simmons says, not to get off the subject, help me be a realist. Is Trey uh, crap out of luck like bro. Jerry Krause told Phil Jackson, if you go 82-0, and 0, you're gone next season? No. Nah, man, the Niners change their, their, their mind at quarterback every six months, dude. 
They change their that, mind all the time. We're gonna talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So don't Trace. Trace still here. He's not going anywhere. Let's talk about Debo Samuel. He started okay. to post some workout videos online last year. He posted a lot of like, I don't know, whining and complaining online about his money. He finally got his money, but then he had kind of a down year. And I called him a double Debo with cheese, which was just rude. Now, he looks, well, can you tell us, man? Well, I saw I saw some of the training clips. Uh, and they're clips. However, he does look in shape. His face yeah. looks gaunt. His waist Good. looks tapered. He looks Good. motivated. He looks Good. like, honestly, he looks like camp could start tomorrow. It's just from optics are concerned. Um, that's a far cry away from what we had to put up last offseason, which was tough to stand by Ooh. and put up with. But because it was like he, he was he thought he was going to work his way into shape, but then he kept getting hurt and never happened. Yes. And, and yeah. that's why you have to come in shape, because you can't prepare for what the season is going to give you. Right. No, you're, you're behind the eight ball. And one thing that that all of us kind of were we get a little frustrated, if you will, with how Depot conducts business at times is because he is a leader. He's a heart. Right. He's the heartbeat of this offense. He's True. what makes things he's go. vocal. He's very yeah, he's vocal. demanding. Yes, and he's, yeah. he's who people look to. You know, I mean, I understand that George wants the mic, but the mic belongs <laughs> to Debo, right? That's true. You know, that's true. And so, Trent, those two. Yes, exactly. That, yeah, correct. And they use it judiciously. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They don't. They're not always pressed to talk to us like some people we know. So, <laughs> all I'm Sorry. saying is, all I'm saying is, is that um, at this stage of the season in May, before mini camp or before the OTAs start, he looks focused. And to be quite honest, is what all players want. He got his deal, which is three years. He looks comfortable, right? Yeah. And that's that's what you want. A lot of guys that are going through transition with contracts, they're in limbo. They don't know yeah. where they're going to go. They're frustrated with their organization and they're trying to get business conducted while staying professional at the same time. And it's hard to grind as hard as you need to be do to be in shape during an offseason when your money's not together so right i feel like he looks satisfied he looks comfortable he looks like he's primed for the season and at this time of the season we were looking at clips of debo and let's be real it's just his body type he holds his weight he wears it you know it's so easy to see it's easy very to see. easy to see and that's just his body yep. type you know mm -hmm. that's not oh he's being lazy but when he puts it on, you see it. It's in his face. It's in his ass. You see it. You know what I'm saying? Yep. So he looks in shape and looks ready to go. And I'm I'm happy for it because he's a leader and they look for him. He's the he's the stir he's the spoon that stirs the drink. Like when Debo's ready to go, it's kind of like the swag is ready to go. It's on. Yeah. So I'm happy. And you brought you brought it up, but like he didn't sign a six year extension. He signed a three year extension. It kicks in this year. He'll be a free agent again in 2026. And the whole point was that he wanted to be a free, he wanted to get that third contract, wanted to cash in again before he hits 30. Okay, great. So like you're the kind of guy who didn't just get in the league for one big payday. You're in yeah. it to be great. You're in it to make, you know, for, for the for the long haul, like prove it. Cause so far, you've shown that you could be a great player, a Hall of Fame player, but you've only done it really for one year. So yeah. if you're gonna get that next contract at 29 with the way you play, you got to do it again right now. And it seems like he gets it and he's motivated, which is Dude, that's scary for the rest of the league, dude. And to take Debo it a step his best. further, oh, sorry, Grant. To, Go to ahead. Take it a step, to take it a step further, like, Debo's played skill. Like, I know he has to take it personally. Like, 
there when you have a guy as versatile as Debo, there are some people who like to complain. Oh, he's not really a receiver. Oh, he's not yep. really a running back. So he gets to eat. He gets to get the best reps of whatever his skill set is. What is he truly? He doesn't really mm. have to go through the druthers of taking a full load like a running back. And he doesn't True. really get pressed out and have to deal with the, the task of being a full receiver. And True. the only way you shut up that that criticism narrative, is yeah. producing. That narrative yeah. is by producing. Yeah. And if Debo, the people who are of that narrative are all saying that Debo is not going to get a second contract. Right. You're not going to be able to maintain what you did two years ago and, and parlay that into another deal. So I'm happy that yeah. he's in shape because he needs to show that that wasn't just a one-off. Like, this is right. something that can be that even if I regress to the mean, this is something that you can you can expect out of me on a consistent basis and I can do it healthy. Sure. That's the key, because to me, the way the team is constructed now, he's never going to produce the way he did in 2021. McCaffrey's here. Like, Ayuk's emerging. We don't need him. Kittle's still anymore. here. Yeah. Like, you're not just going to give him run the whole offense through him. Um, mm -hmm. So he could he could always make that excuse like I did. Like, look, we're a run first team and there's a lot of mouths to feed. But if he can't stay healthy, he's not going to get a big third contract. And if he doesn't put in the work in the offense in the offseason, he's not going to stay healthy. So he seems yeah. like he's taking the right steps. And again, yeah. that's really scary for the rest of the league, because when he's on and he's the Niners best player, really hard to beat the 49ers. It's, it's really, really hard, hard to beat in general. Yeah. But when yeah, it's too much yeah. to pay attention to him, let alone our entire offense. So he really does kind of set the narrative. You know, if he comes in shape, honestly speaking, if Debo comes in shape, nobody should be out of shape. True. And last year, I really felt like every time the Niners gave him the ball, it was almost a favor to the other team. With a few splash plays as the exception, like, man, I mean, it was either a catch within a few yards of the line of scrimmage or a run that everyone saw coming or... A drop. Yeah. I mean, I really, I mean, his productivity was terrible. His efficiency was terrible. The quarterback rating when targeting him was like 70 something, whereas everyone else was, th was through the roof and just felt like, man, they're forcing it with Debo. He's not there. If they don't have to force it this year and he can just be there all offseason and be in shape, this team, no matter who the freaking quarterback is, should win a lot, a lot, a lot of games. So, I remember yeah. Decoy Debo. I remember that. Yeah. Decoy Samuel. I remember that. Hell yeah. So, and that was um, all of last year. He fought through injury and and yeah. and made us proud. You know, he didn't come back 100%. But if you're being an honest broker, him starting the season in shape is imperative. That needs to happen. I mean, let's talk big picture, right? Like, the Niners have lost back-to-back -back NFC Championship games. That's where they're at. Both <clears> of those <throat> games were on the road. They can say that SoFi is Levi's South or whatever, but both of those games were on the road, particularly the right. second one. It was, I mean, you got obliterated immediately in a, in a hostile environment. So yeah. I think it's important to get the number one seed, probably, considering yeah. I think the last two number one seeds went to the Super Bowl from the NFC. Am I wrong about that? It's no, important. no, you're not. And, and our problems are our own. I keep saying that. Um, sometimes when we want to feel good about our issues, we'll look at the rest of the league and try to, you know, oh, but we're not. But it's like, no, let's keep the main thing the main thing. Our yeah. issue is, is that we can't get over the hump. That's our no. issue. You Nobody start slow, you finish it's fast, hard. but then you're on the road in the NFC Championship game, you lose. Yeah. So start fast. Yeah. Debo, start fast. Christian's on the team now. Like, there's George. Just because fast. Brock's not going to be there right away necessarily doesn't mean they can't 
win some freaking games because I remember 2019, they weren't winning games because of their quarterback early in 2019. They were running the ball and playing good defense. That's a, that's a good point. I don't want in the built excuse for us having a slow start is because Rock. we don't have the quarterback situation figured out. Run the ball. Come on, man. Like, Run the like, damn ball. We need to start the season on point. Seriously. Because that's our calling card. We, we mm -hmm. start slow. Then we go on a run. Then we have some type of mid-season, mid-life crisis where we either trade for a guy or have to switch something up, a la Debo yep. moving to running back or yep. us going to get Christian. Don't do that this year. Don't. <laughs> Hit the ground running. Yeah. And it wasn't just the offense that sucked early last year. Like They gave up 20 points to Chicago in week one. They, they let Dante Pettis score a long touchdown against them. Like They need to be way more. Remember in 2019 what they did? To Jameis Winston and the Bucks in Tampa Bay, yeah. like Akella Witherspoon at a pick Denver. six. Yeah, well, we like you can't do that stuff. Yeah, you can't do that stuff. That was like nine seven. Yeah, yeah, can't have it. They, they treated the entire first month like preseason, and that's not how Super Bowl teams conduct themselves. So, yeah, Debo's acting like a Super Bowl player right now. It's good to see. The yeah. Super Bowl starts now. The, the quest for six starts in freaking May, not yeah. August, not October. Okay, I'm off my soapbox. Just Mike says Jordan Reed ran a 472 and the measurables were very similar, but Latsu was a better blocker off the rip. Did Jordan Reed off really run a 47? How did oh, I yeah. miss that? Oh yeah. Jordan Reed I'm never a Jordan had Reed guy. I he love Jordan. He was so Reed. good. If he didn't get concussions, he would have been He's the limb bias of tight ends. I yeah. keep trying to tell everybody. I see what you mean by that. Yeah, man, he was good. Chris Sims, Kittle needs the ball more this season. Best tight end, go Niners. Needs the ball more. Getting older, man. I like the, I like getting the ball, him the ball in the red zone. That's that was a nice adjustment. I think, only, I think yeah. George is gonna start getting gentlemen's kit, uh, reps. I, I think that us bringing in all of this youth at tight end is gonna start freeing him up to really get out there more in the passing game. He's getting older. Yeah, he is. Is I don't even think he's really the blocker he was when he was 25, 26. I feel like his legs are thinner by design because he was getting some lower leg injuries and his value is as a receiver. I mean, his yeah. money-making value. Yes, yes. His money-making value. Rod Simmons says, Coach, if you're GM, do you take OC duties from Kyle Shanahan and he loses guys every year? Is it to have Kyle? Is it to have Kyle to reboot system alone? OC is a label in SF, not a position. Yeah, I He would. does do a lot. If it, I, I think I've mentioned that before, but if it was up to me, Kyle wouldn't be OC. Yeah. Um, he doesn't delegate. In my opinion, um, it delegate. would be best if we had two independent bodies operating that because it would it would kind of it would make things a lot more clear on how things are done offensively. And it will put a stronger voice in the room because you can't if you don't want like what your OC is doing, you're going to have to fire him. So right. then you're going to get a track record for yourself. So it would it would force Kyle to be a little bit more political, too which I think he can, it would help him. Yeah, and I, I think the question with him is his leadership. And if he were to delegate play calling uh, and just said, I want to be a head coach, I think that would be like, wow. What a, that would that's that be hurting us. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Like Harbaugh does that. And we're going to talk yeah. about that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, MGM Production says, any idea if the Niners invited XFL players to camp? I hadn't heard that they did. No, I hadn't heard it. I like the idea of Scott. They, they did that with the AAF, AF. Blah, 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 whatever USFL? Two years ago. That's where they got Brunskill from, the AAF something. something American something. Arena Football League? 
No, I forget what it was called, but they had one for yeah. Someone will tell it, but they got okay. Brunskill from a semi like a semi pro league essentially. I like scouting players from that. So they got Garcia from freaking uh, Canada. Well, this, I mean, there's ball players everywhere. There's yeah. everybody has a different path. I mean, even on the last show, we talked about like nine different individual stories on how they all came here. I mean, if you think about it, the six degrees the six degrees of separation in football are just amazing. I just watched the highlight play of D winners injuring. Uh, Ronnie Bell when they played Michigan. And, and <laughs> I just watched that too. Dude, D winners highlights are so much fun to watch. Yeah. But oh my like, goodness. You think about it, it's like, damn, I just injured my teammate. So who's going to be? Oops. <laughs> yeah. So. I bet you they, I, I bet you Ronnie Bell walks up to him in the locker room the first time. Say, hey, remember that time you knocked me? That really hurt. Thanks. Stay high. Keep him up. <laughs> uh, American Allegiance of Football or something like that. AAF. That was what okay. it was. The American, I think it existed for like 10 games. I don't know. Mm -hmm. All right. So we, we keep talking about why they didn't draft an offensive tackle. How do you not take an offensive tackle? It's your biggest need. You're just going to give the job to McGlinchey's backup? Really? Right. Um, and there's like a million different reasons and motivations. We go, I, me and my dad went like full psych, psychological. Like, what does it say about Kyle's deep down nature? I yeah. think there's probably a financial reason here. Yeah. Can you explain that? Yeah. Well, I can't. I was thinking about this because, all right. So yes, drafting who we did at three in this year's draft was a bit rich, right? However, mm -hmm. and there was an immediate need, right? Mm -hmm. And I remember us going back and forth where I couldn't really articulate how on a team like us, you you cannot draft somebody in the third round if you really don't think that they're going to be a contributor, right? And if we're parsing out our track and what we did at right tackle is we went the traditional route. We drafted a top 10 pick. We brought him in and he wasn't exactly what we expected him to be, but also, and what hurts you is what we see on the field, which is production. We see the pass play and, and all of that. But what really sucks is it kills our bottom line because he's locked in into a certain price point where he's got to get paid less than what he's producing at. And I think that the Niners are a little bit shell-shocked from that endeavor with dealing with Mike. Only, Not only that, but he's not producing to the money that he's being paid. And then when you've coached him up just enough for him to be adequate, he goes and hits the market for more money than he's, than he's worth or you can afford anyway. That right. had to suck. And right. if I'm a money guy, that had to suck letting that, right. having to stomach that. And yeah. In my mind, if we're looking at the draft and we're saying to ourselves, man, why, why would we go and get somebody that we know we're not going to get starting potential out of in this in this round? But we're going to have to pay him once we coach him up and then we're going to have to fight him in the market once he mm -hmm. once he gets out the free agency versus. Yeah. And we'll be disappointed with him the entire time. And yes. And then we got to smile mm -hmm. through it the whole yeah. time. Right. Hey, when yeah, he got through. He got thrown on his back twice in this game, but we didn't lose. Like, it's not that big of a deal. We still like him. Yeah. And yeah, I think that they went through that. And then on top of it, the player had a hard time ingesting how he was being scrutinized. So then I feel like they had to really wrap their arm around him. And why are people? I think the media is taking shots at him. Like, OK, no, they're not. OK, you no, know what I'm not. saying this people is are just, just saying what they real see. life. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. sometimes it breaks through and you feel it because, you know, it's true. So yeah. I feel like in certain ways, the Niners 
had to say to themselves, all right, if we're going to reach, why don't we reach on a guy and a position that's manageable? Something that we can control yeah. down the line. So if Latu pops, right, what we still not expensive. To be, he's still affordable, right? Same with Moody. And same with Moody. Same with Moody. He we can get Just rid of him. But but if we he could be the right, best kicker in the freaking league, still affordable. Exactly. Still affordable. We can afford yeah. him. But yep. if we draft this, would same with safety too. Safety, tight end, kicker. Three affordable positions in round three. That's very interesting. Mm. And if you think about if you think about what they did at uh, right tackle, very affordable, undrafted oh. free agent. I mean, signed him for a song. You know what I mean? Joy Fisher, like yeah, Joy yeah. Fisher. Yep. So yep. Well, I yep. think it was one hundred and thirty-five k. So yeah. So look, like, like I, I'm sure I'm sure the long snapper Taylor Tabor Pepper has more money guaranteed coming his way than Joey yeah. Fisher. Yeah. So so from a talent standpoint. I feel like we're betting on ourselves. We're betting on our building, what's inside of our building to get these guys ready, Coach Forrester, and to coach up what we need. But I also kind of feel like, you know, we're kind of, uh, you know, antique shopping. You know, we're kind of like thrifting. Right. You know, like, yeah. let's let's kind of repurpose this. We don't got to pay full price for this down the road when we can repurpose it here. And It's like you already tried to get the premier right tackle. Like, right. Uh, did McGlinchey checked every box that they could possibly want from a right? I mean, he was in top ten pick. You took him with the ninth pick, and you took him over Derwin James and Minka Fitzpatrick yeah. and all these guys. He's what you wanted. He ended up getting a huge contract from another team, but it didn't work out. He was a massive disappointment. He wasn't worth the draft slot. He wasn't worth your time or your money. So what do you do? Oh, we'll just bring in. We'll just since we've been working around a stiff at right tackle for four five years anyway, we'll just get another. I'm not going to call Colt McKivitz a stiff, but another will take the stiffs back up, pay him nothing, and but feel like... at least like, he's affordable. At least he's affordable. At least right? he's affordable. Yep. Yeah. It is, yeah. And I, I just, I feel like they did that at this position with that in mind. I mean, it would have been on my mind if I had to stomach all of that. Like, Jesus Christ. Like, it's like having a woman, you know what I'm saying? Having somebody you date, you know she ain't worth it, and then she cheats on you and gets with somebody better. You're like, Jesus Christ, I gave you the shot. What do you mean? <laughs> Like, I Damn! And you went off and got yeah. something better than me. Ain't some shit? So like, let me ask you a question: Do you think this is the Niners' new strategy? Like, look, we can't afford two high-paid offensive linemen. We tried to take an offensive lineman in the first round; that didn't work out. Let's just go as cheap as possible at right tackle for the foreseeable future. So if McKivitz plays well for a year, go get money elsewhere. We got Nick Sakel waiting, or Joey Fisher waiting in the wings. Well, so I mean, we, it, yeah. it, it, in theory, it sounds you can say that it's nice as a theory and say that you did it on purpose. I think the Niners are really good at that claiming claiming ideas that kind of fall into their favor. We've been um, planning this for four years. No, yeah, it's been something you've been doing for three weeks. Exactly. I think it's a yeah. plan of necessity. They have yeah. to do it. Um, and a part of it is by way of success. They drafted so well. We don't have as many players as we do on one roster if we don't draft some of these guys. We just can't acquire all of these guys. Their money, There's you have to look at it like this. If we have a team that develops as many players as we do, then you have to get over the fact that we have a lot of players that are underpaid. You have to understand that. And yeah. sooner or later, when it's time for them to get paid, they're either going to get paid here or they're going to leave. That's what it is. That's what happens when you develop a player. On the good, on the other, on on the bright side, it's oh man, look at how much development we're getting over for what we got for them. But on the yeah. but on the back end, that bill is running. And they know that it's time for me to get paid. 
I have a theory. I, I, I love this topic. I just feel like the right tackle position is similar to the quarterback position in the 49ers' minds in this sense. Okay. Mediocre right tackles get paid way more than they should. Mediocre quarterbacks get paid way more way than they should. Weren't McGlinchey and Jimmy kind of similar? True. Everyone said they're not as bad as they say. Look at how much money they make. They're going to get rewarded. And they, they were all that was all true, but it's like they're mediocre and you should not be spending that much money. So it's like, hey, you know, if we've if we've been winning with mediocre quarterback play and mediocre right tackle play the last 4 years, let's just not pay for it. Let's yeah. just get rid of Jimmy and and bring in Brock and it's like, hey, he's a little bit better or whatever and it's way cheaper. Let's get rid of Mike and, and promote Colton and be like, you know, 6-1 half dozen the other. He's way cheaper. Who cares? Maybe that's how they're feeling, man. Okay. I hear what you're saying, but I don't agree. And okay. the reason the reason why I don't agree with you is you don't purposely put somebody mediocre at a spot. You you want to put the best guy there. It's true. Right? Um, it's I, true. I feel, I feel it's just like, that the Niners kind of suck at drafting and developing quarterbacks and offensive linemen. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I think that I just think the Mike McGlinchey experience taught them that we tried to push the easy button with a pick and just get a guy in there who we thought could just get it done. And that bit us. Yeah. So let's go with what we know. Let's develop. I mean, if you think about it, who who on this roster gave us instant production like they didn't have to be developed? They were just oh, plug man. and play. Who was plug and play here? Maybe Nick? Maybe? Yeah. Nick was yeah. plug and play? Everybody yeah. else, if you think about it. They tried to pretend that McGlinchey was, but. No. You know, but no. if you think about all of the draft picks, everybody had to be in some way, shape, or form developed. They yeah. had to be brought into a certain level, and they played their way. I so mean, Fred Warner and Kittle played right away on bad teams, but they were not they nearly what they, what they are today. No. 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 They, no, they, they were not really impact players. George and Fred played in an atmosphere that Trey should have been in. Right. Right. A team that was sort of, you know, getting yeah. its feet underneath it. Mm-hmm. All right. You use an interesting phrase, burning the boats, uh, why it's necessary in certain cases and why the Niners are reluctant to do it. Explain what you mean in a football sense, why that's important to burn the boats. Well, it's about buying in. It's about understanding that you can get paralysis by analysis when the bullets are flying. And Mm -hmm. it's important for you to flip the switch and have a mentality so you don't be so you're not gun shy in those moments. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's what burning the boats is when you're about to go on an endeavor. Shut Mm -hmm. the door behind you. Correct. Don't figure out a way out of it. Don't. Right. Don't build contingency. Don't be half in, half out. Half out. Don't have one foot in and one foot out. And I feel like we, that is what ends up to come and get us in the end of the season when our demons really show themselves, where we can't get over the hump at the end of the year. And it's because we did not burn the boats. And and what I mean by that is with quarterback, I feel like we are primed for a huge gaggle, you know what, if mm-hmm. we yeah. um if we go back and forth with this musical chairs saga that we have at quarterback, I right. think that if whoever this whoever makes it out of camp as the week one starter should be the starter. Yeah. I think that if Trey 
for all intents and purposes, for what Trey has been through, uh, it still is the NFL and he's still a pro. And right. I wouldn't be a fan of him if I felt like he got the job. Real quick, I want to, I want to, the burning the boats thing, like last year, you made Trey the starter, but Jimmy's right there on the other field hanging out just in case. Like that's the very definition of not burning your boats. Then yes. when you use them the way you use them and he gets injured, everyone wonders, well, did you do that because you had your boat ashore right there and you knew, well, I can be a little reckless here because I don't even know if I'm really committed to doing this. No, oh, right, right now, it's, now we got 49ers football. Yeah. Chilling on the dock. Yeah, I mean, and, and to take it a step further, I know that there's people right now probably screaming, well, when Trey went down, we would have never had Jimmy if Jimmy wasn't there. Well, what happened, what, what, what happened ultimately anyway? Jimmy got hurt again, right? And Brock stepped up, which was like the greatest thing that's ever happened to the organization since right. Jeff Garcia came out yeah. of nowhere. And we didn't look at that as, we didn't look at that as an aberration as of like, Jesus Christ, we got freaking lucky. What do we do? We poked our chest out of that like we were supposed to do it. That's what we right. meant to happen. Right. right, and real quick, if they had burned their boats with Jimmy Garoppolo last year, they would have known what they had in Brock Purdy week three instead of week 13. Because Just they would have had to elevate him. To, they would have had Hell to elevate yeah. him, too. They That's the to benefit of burning your boats. Yes, if they would have burned their boats quick with – and matter of fact, if they would have burned their boats for real, Jimmy would have been gone before his sealed shoulder surgery while they were sitting there trying to find the best deal possible, right? Correct. And those are all of the circumstances that we're talking about. I can see, like, if we go at the very end and look at the whole story and we can say, yeah, but we create so many opportunities for ourselves to take us to the end of that season. Really? Mm -hmm. Really? Are those the opportunities that are taking us to the end of the season? Or are they taking us to our inevitable demise on what we do? Because think about it. Who do we lose to? We lose to teams that burn their boats. They bought right. into their situations. Look at what the Eagles did with Carson Wentz. Right. Okay. Yep. They gave Carson Wentz that deal. And then what did they do? They went and got Jalen Hurts immediately and put the pressure on him. And when they got rid of Carson Wentz, they didn't pussyfoot around. They didn't yep. listen to the locker room and hold a tribunal to see mm -hmm. how the team felt. They got yep. rid of him. All right. Yep. And then yep. they went hardcore on Jalen Hurts. And I just, I just feel like at times we get caught being a little too cool for school. We think that we're yep. the smartest guys in the room. And it hurts us when everybody's too busy working their plan where we're too busy trying to have the best options possible. And they're hedging. It's like they're, they're building Hedge. for the future yes. while, while, while being all in at the same time. So when they lose in the NFC Championship game two years ago to the uh, Rams, they can say, mm -hmm. well, we're ahead of schedule. We didn't even have Trey on the field. That was yeah. with Jimmy. Imagine us next year with the quarterback we want. And then mm -hmm. the next year, they lose in the NFC Championship with Brock, and they're like, well, Brock just getting started. Brock got yeah. hurt. We're, we're yeah. ahead of schedule. We're still coming. Like, no, eventually you're like, you're going to miss it. Yeah. You're going to miss it. And it, it's yeah. like you keep, you keep having this mentality of like, we're a year away. We're a year away. Eventually, you're not. It's got to be your year at some time. You can't have you that have mentality forever. Yourself, do, do you really want to end the conversation or do you like having it? Ending the yeah. conversation would be winning the Super Bowl. But uh -huh. having the conversation would be talking about just how much we win and how close we yeah. are. And look at our yeah. window. And the, the best team, and, one of the best And the awful the bad luck that they have. It's just so weird. Injuries yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of like, I mean, I mean, are we going to, what are we going to be? The the 21-year-old kids still hanging around the high school parking lot? Like, what are we going to do? Man, I would have won state. I would have won state, man. Coach put me in, no doubt yeah. in my mind. I would have won state. Hey, man, if they wouldn't have held us two years ago, I would have brought it home for us. Like, what yep. are we doing? 
are we uh-huh. in the conversation or are we ending it? You see what yeah. I'm saying? So yep. I feel like, you know, you look at you look at teams who even with the Rams, I I despise the Rams, but they burned their boats, man. Look what they yep. did when, for that ring. Look what they did to close out that season. And right. and it's, it's they get credit for that. And meanwhile, Niner fans are like, ha ha, you guys suck now. It's like, whoa, whoa, they're champions. Yeah. Can't take that ring off of McVay's finger ever, ever. Yeah. Ever. That's what he has that Kyle doesn't have. Yeah. So I feel like there's a there is a, a narrative of us having a good time being at the party, just being yep. in the room. Right. Yep. And I feel like Niners fans, they smart. They, they feel a little good when it's just where they are. The Niners are in the hunt. They're they're the top of the NFC guys. The most the physical NFC team in the league. Sucks. No one wants to face the Niners. Everyone loses yeah. after you face the Niners. Uh huh. But we got to be uh-huh. honest, guys. We're at the top of a, we're at the top of a division that sucks. The NFC is not as good as the AFC. There's much more competition outside of our league, and it's easier for us to be at the top of the hill when we have the veterans and the stuff that we have. So I just kind of feel, I feel like we need to start really dedicating ourselves to pushing to get the real goal, which is right. a Super Bowl. You know, I, I, and you said what you said earlier is like whoever starts should be the starting quarterback. If it's Sam Darnold, it's Sam Darnold. If it's Trey yeah. Lance, it's Trey Lance. If it's if they if they decide that Brock Purdy's their franchise quarterback, then Trey needs to go eventually. He's yeah. just a distraction at a certain point. They haven't gotten to that point yet, but that's the whole burning like to look forward. That's the whole yeah. point of burn, burning the boats. Eventually yeah. you gotta pick one. I agree with you 100%. And and honestly, what we've done with Trey and the the time that we put into him, Grant, if Trey has one game that looks like anything Brock Purdy has given us, they will – everybody will want him to start because that's what we were originally here for. That's what we came for. Correct. Correct. I want to use the burning the boats analogy one more time. When they should have burned the boats with Jimmy Garoppolo was when he got injured in Tennessee. When he got injured in Tennessee and lost, and uh, John Lynch liked that tweet of him getting left on, you know, off the team. That was playing. it. That was it. It was, was over. It. And then Trey Lance comes in and wins a must-win game. That was the time. They should have kept playing Trey. I think Trey. They should have kept playing though. Trey. But not no not against the Texans he was no good. not against the he, Texans that was he was good he, he won you're right they took him out Jimmy was still hurt and then Jimmy won a few games but he didn't win the cha- NFC Championship or the Super Bowl which means in retrospect it was a waste of time it should have been tried Jimmy it's was not, hurt it's Jimmy not was done. fair to be it's not fair to look in hindsight but we're human and that is true there were yeah. there were. I don't think that the Niners were necessarily focused on when to insert Trey. I just think that right. they were scared. They were scared shitless that they had to put him out there. They yep. weren't necessarily looking to keep him out there. But if you're looking at those those instances, yes, there were gaps in his career where you could have burned it and said, "Hey, he's our guy. Jimmy's yep. gone, and we're gonna ride out with this." You've and already least- you've already like humiliated him with that tweet. We don't want you on the team plane anymore from the gm like it's over he's hurt yeah. trey just won he's your future that's the time and yeah. to your point they never actually did that they only yeah. we they, they've only like done it for brock is looking at us like we operate yeah. like the rest of the nfl world doesn't see us like yeah the gm likes a tweet 
about the quarterback. It's like any other organization, it's like, well, that's clear, man. That's a line in mm -hmm. the sand. It's over. It's over right now. And yeah. then you bring him back another not, – not, not just giving him the starting job after the win from Trey, but bringing him back another year so that, so that Jimmy could now humiliate Kyle and say, your plays freaking suck, man, and smirk on the sideline when you're losing. I mean, who could have seen that coming? Oh, anyone who sort of understands human dynamics. Yeah, I just I think that they see they see a a an opportunity where they may have to get into general population and and risk it just like everybody else and they shudder. Right? Yep. They, they yep. see those moments where it's like, "Oh my god, we may have to be a real franchise and just have our ass out in the wind. We may yep. have to just ride out with our quarterback." It's like, "No, yep. oh, We've got it under control. What we're going to do is keep this guy on the side and play him and then listen to our quarter. And it doesn't mean we don't like Trey. It doesn't mean we don't like Trey. And it, it has nothing to do with how we feel about our quarterback. It's like, yeah, bro, it does. It, it does. absolutely does. We're yeah, not you're stupid. not moving like everybody else. It does. Mike Rhea says, we're the Bills of the 90s without the quarterback and right tackle. That's true, man. You compare the Niners to those Bills teams, they had a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like those Bills teams get way too much love in Canton. Like, they ultimately accomplish nothing. Why is their head coach in the Hall of Fame? Why? Well, dude, we, first of all, we get a lot of comp, we get a lot of accomplishments and, and love, and we didn't even make it to the Super Bowl, but once they went four times. All True. right. The, the real hate True. that the Bills get is that they held a parade. They held a parade in Niagara Falls Park in, in, uh, in Buffalo for the kicker, and they lost right. the damn game. Oof. Um, which is not a yeah. good look, but I, I, I just I feel like the Niners. Uh, we, we need we need to just really be focused on what on ourselves, you know, and 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 really just see a plan all the way through. I think that I feel I get the feeling that they think that they get points when they give us all of these options off of yeah. plans. Like, yeah. no, you don't get points. You look more confused. You don't yeah. have it down pat. Pick one plan and stick to it. Commit to it. And that was the thing. When they traded up for Trey Lance, it was like, oh, my God, what an aggressive play. Kyle really going all in with the quarterback. It's like, this is going to work. This is what we've been waiting for Kyle to do. Tell me which quarterback you want. Because you, you said you wanted Hoyer. You said you wanted Beathard. You said you wanted Cousins. You never really wanted Jimmy. Who do you want, man? Oh, you want Trey. Great. And then at the moment he stepped in the building, it was everyone, Kyle Down was like, mm, well, we still like Jimmy. This doesn't mean you don't like Jimmy anymore. It's like, what are you talking about? Of course it means you don't like Jimmy anymore. I just feel like so, all of the information that we get is like for the locker room. It's not for us. Right. Yeah. And I think that's why Trey Lance didn't start week 18 because even though it was the right thing to do for the franchise, present and future, we know who makes those decisions on this team. And that was never going to happen. Yeah. They're never going to allow it. That's not happening. Yeah. Not happening. No kicking screen. All right. Speaking of culture and leadership and all that, I think it'd be fun to talk about the biggest difference between Jim Harbaugh and Kyle Shanahan because of the most, they're the two most successful 49ers head coaches in the last 10, 15 years. Both have gone to the Super Bowl and lost. Both have gone to multiple NFC championship games. Essentially, their resumes are quite similar, except for Harbaugh took over a team that was talented and mismanaged, and um, Kyle took over scorched earth and built it himself. But they've sort of come to a similar point and have been unable to get over the hump, so to speak. But they're very different head coaches. Yeah. How would you say, how would you characterize the biggest difference between them? Um, well, 
uh, I'd say Jim is a little bit more hands-on than Kyle is from a um, leadership level, not a yeah. player to coach yeah. level. Um, right. I believe they're they're equally as tapped in with their players um, as one another. But I do believe that Jim, Coach Harborough, let me show respect first. I believe that Coach Harborough. You can call Kyle Kyle all day, but that's Coach Harborough. <laughs> I believe that Coach Harborough um, is he comes with a very uh, he he's first of all he's older than Kyle, so he has a better yep. not a better background, but a more enriched background. Yes. I mean, Coach Harbaugh was the shit in the NFL at quarterback. He was nice. first round pick. Was yes. first round pick. He wasn't yeah. like some ancillary like no. like Rudy guy. Like no, he came in and won games. You know, um. So one of the things about Coach Harbaugh that I've seen with him is that he's he a was lot a Pro Bowler in nineteen ninety five. He started 140 games in the NFL. I mean, he was a he. He played. He, he started uh, five playoff games. I mean, I think he went to he was a the AFC champion. He went to the AFC championship in '95. Yeah. Anyway, I would yeah. I would argue to see if he's one of the most successful, one of the most most decorated player coaches, like coaches that's yes. played. Like yes. So yes, for for Coach Harbaugh, I, I see that he's a lot more mature. He's a man's mm -hmm. man. Um, he's rubbed up a lot of uh, he's rubbed up against a lot of different generations. Yes. So Coach Harbaugh has not only players that Kyle looks up to as father figures, but Coach Harbaugh has players that he looks at as brothers that Kyle may look up to as uncles. Like he's just older. Uh, he doesn't have that insecurity of like, why am I here? Like I was in the NFL. I was a first round. Yeah, player. I was a quarterback. You know who the hell I am. And I went in college. Yeah, I mean, everyone knows why he's there. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to justify that. Kyle, it's like, well, why are you here? You didn't even play much in college. It's like, oh, your dad was a coach. Oh, your dad yeah. was a coach. So he has yes. to overcome that, the way I do, and I get that. It's a whole different thing. Like, I didn't play football. My dad covered football. Like, it's a whole different thing. So, yeah, that's where and, Kyle's and, coming from. And yeah, and I see from from Kyle is that um, Jim is a lot more comfortable in his skin when it comes to just right. the football game. Um, and being around the media than Kyle is. Um, right. I, I've seen over the years where your dad and other people have gone at Jim and asked him very tough and hard questions. And he loves it. He welcomes the welcomes conversation. Yeah. Um, you, you know, you can tell the difference when somebody just has the right answer or they know. Mm -hmm. But no, Coach Harbaugh actually welcomes the, the conversation to see it through. Um, it takes a, and when you see that with somebody who's able to take confrontations and turn them into conversations, right. I think that that's a skill. Um, Leadership. Yeah, it's very disarming. Um, and yes. that's one thing that Robert I, Sala can do that. The, that's something that I wish that I wish Kyle would learn how to do. He yeah. doesn't know how to disarm people. He does. John Lynch he, can do that. Yes, because he's so defensive that yeah. he never gets a chance to work on the people that are around him. Right. So that's the biggest thing that I see from Kyle is that there are times where Kyle doesn't make you feel a part of the experience. He kind of makes you feel like you're on the outskirts of his orbit. You never right. really feel like you're having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him unless you're talking about something that's favorable to him. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and with that, one of the things that's beautiful about being able to bring on confrontation is that you get to show layers of yourself 
without without being so forceful about it. People get to see you work through problems and roll up your sleeves and you know how to work through issues. And once some of those things are emblematic of, um, let's be honest, you're a head coach, so you're always being watched. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of covert things that happen inside of your organization. So when you do speak, people gleam a lot from your words and how you speak to people. It's like, oh, yeah. well, if he can't handle this conversation, I wonder how he's doing that behind closed doors. I wonder how yeah. he's talking to other players. So that is the differences that I see between Jim and Kyle. Yeah, and I feel like Kyle, like, those differences put Kyle at a deficit that makes it tough for him to be a leader. Because again, like, why are you here? Oh, because your dad was Mike Shanahan. So for him to work against that, and he's been doing it for 15 years, he has to establish two things. One, he's a genius. Like, don't like his background in the sport allows him to get you paid. Like, I know so much, I can get you open. I'm gonna get you paid. So he's a genius and get you paid. And two, he's your friend. He's Kyle. Like, hey man, like I I just, I just want to get you money. I just want to kick it with I you, get like, you paid, bro. I want to get you paid, like, hey, but like, like, I'm not That's yelling at you. I'm not. Slope, Grant. It's a slippery slope. So, and it works for him, but it it gets in the way of him being a leader. Whereas Jim just has to be himself because he walks in a room and it's Jim Harbaugh, the former quarterback, the guy who was the coach of the Niners in Stanford, and it's like he just has to be his quirky self, wearing those little, wearing those Dockers. He can be as weird as he wants. And it all works, but Kyle has to be cool. He's got to wear the right shoes. He's got to be, he's got to be, it's all, it's different. And so it's, and all of it leads to him not being a leader still, but he's a successful coach in certain ways, a lot of ways. But I think that's the big difference. Like Harbaugh can't not be a leader. He can't not be a leader. It's in his but DNA. Kyle, it's in his DNA. I don't think that Kyle can be, but he works around it in very, in very, in a lot of interesting ways. I mean, his defensive coordinator is always a, just an A plus leader from Solid to Miko to Wilkes. So he well, may have the, the self awareness to work I, around I, it, but at the same time, you're the head coach. I agree with you, Grant. And this is, yeah. this, I, this harkens back to something that I brought up last time is that being a leader is, is, is an act of service. It's, it's being, and that's something that I do pick up from Coach Harbaugh. Coach yeah. Harbaugh gives me a vibe that you could catch him cleaning up the media room after a session, if he saw something spilt on the ground, right? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. you catch coach, you catch coach Harbaugh bringing, or he would up. talk to someone about it. Like, Hey, we're not doing this. We're not yet. We have a standard. Yeah. We're up. not doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, I feel like if you want to put it in a nutshell, which is very unfair, uh, I feel like Kyle's players are in service of him and mm -hmm. Jim is in service of his players. Sure. I think that's the way to put it. And that's the biggest difference that I see between the two. I feel like yeah. when all else fails on Kyle's side, we're strapped to one man in a system. That's not a yeah. living and breathing thing, right? Yeah. So, yeah. but in Jim's world, if something is wrong, then there's people, there's a heartbeat behind that. You can fix yeah. that. You can talk to somebody about that. Whereas when you're trying to get to the heartbeat on Kyle's side, there's resistance because he wants mm -hmm. to keep you in the binary side of it of, well, the route wasn't ran, the route wasn't ran the right way or the pass yeah. was this way or the drop back wasn't. The I right can't way. be wrong. Yeah. And he gets into yeah. this binary static uh, environment where there's no feel, there's no context right. and you can't right. really get to him and say, but Kyle, that's not what I'm talking about. 
What I'm talking yeah. about is your seventh round quarterback who's a rookie who you use the backup tight end to block. Right. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. I'm not talking yeah. about the missed block or the or the formation. I'm talking about why didn't you recognize that right. just from the minutia of how your team is running right now? And a leader who is it, who is there to be in service of his players falls in a sword. That was on yeah. me. Don't blame Tyler. It's Tyler Croft. He was inactive last week. He's a tight end. Yeah. Blame me. That's what a, that's think, what a real leader does. Even if you don't even believe it, blame me publicly. I think in certain ways, when you when you hear that from Kyle, I think that that's what he thinks that being a professional coach is, and it's yeah. not keeping it real. Yeah, no. it's like oh nah, well you know he he. It's like no, you're missing. You're this is a blind spot. You're missing yeah. it right now. You're talking like an offensive coordinator. I think what's interesting about Harbaugh. This comparison is to be fair to Kyle. Harbaugh hasn't accomplished anything. Kyle hasn't accomplished. Neither the, neither of these men have rings at any right. level. They are both on the quest for a ring, and they've both come very close. Like Harbaugh was in, he was in the final four this year. Both yeah, in the final, the final four, four this year. Well, and they've been in the final four a lot. These two guys. So I think what's interesting is they both always they're offensive guys that always have great defenses. Right. And what Kyle has over Jim is a scheme. Like I think everyone would say that Kyle's scheme. Jim doesn't even have a scheme. It's whoever his offensive coordinator is that year. It yeah. Could be Greg Roman or whoever. But Jim has like a leadership and a cohesiveness uh, with his team that just Kyle doesn't have. I think that's the trade-off. Scheme yeah. for leadership, straight up. What's more well, important? I, I mean, our locker room runs this team, and if we're, if, if we're being fair, yeah, we're talking about currently Jim and Kyle. Jim runs yeah. a college locker room. Those sure. are not men. No. This is a pro locker These are men. That's true. That's so true. they get to it differently. So we have to that's say true. that, too. Yeah. Right. Those are 18. Yeah. Harbaugh, Harbaugh style reports. might not work long term in the NFL the way Kyle's laid back style does. Exactly. Kyle. So, and yeah. you know what? And that's that's that may be a feather in Kyle's hat where Absolutely. Jim's voice and his message may have grown stale. Or it's just abrasive like yo, every day. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Been way yeah. too much for the NFL. So maybe we're not looking at the fact that Kyle's style is built for the long haul. It's built, built for consistency. Last. Right, because yeah, for a while, so, I mean, Harbaugh had to leave every place he went after like three, four years. Every freaking yeah. place. I'm amazed he's lasted Michigan this long. I heard he doesn't even talk to the AD over there. It's like, wow. I guess they found some type it, of it's understanding. Tribal. It's tribal. It's, yeah. So <laughs> but, I'm not. Um, so yeah. what's interesting about this? I'm not saying that Harbaugh's a better coach than Kyle because no, there's no evidence no, to point to that. But they are different. Yeah. They are different. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't better so, or worse. This is either no. or. Absolutely. All day, every day, Kim says, I remember all the so-called experts said whichever quarterback lands in Frisco, Frisco, Texas, would be the best situation. That's been completely false if you ask Trey and most fans. Agree? Mm. Best situation, except you have no time to, to learn. You got to be ready as soon as you hit the ground running because the backup might be. And if he is and you're not, you're out. Right. That's what I happens. Mean, it's, it, it's, it's laid out in simple, plain text. You know, they, yeah. they propped it up like he would have time. He didn't get time. Nope. And 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 now they want Brock to be the guy off of a little time. That should show you right there. Yeah, yeah. zero patience. And what's yeah. funny is the whole thing with drafting Trey is they said well, you got to be patient with him. And the thing with with Anthony Richardson, you got to be patient with him. The Niners were not patient at all. They should know that about themselves. They're in not some patient. Ways, in some ways, if you're looking at it, they're not being patient with Brock. No, get your get your butt back here as soon as you're ready because we've yeah. decided that you'll be ready. Yeah. Pretty much. We've made the decision when you're going to be healthy. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> that's another thing Harbaugh would never do. No. Harbaugh was very sensitive about that. You know why? Because he was He played. 
He, he played. played the game at the highest level. Josh Wyatt says, Coach, can you speak to the narrative that any quarterback would succeed in Kyle's system? I see no evidence for that. Seems like a Jedi mind trick to blame the quarterback whenever Kyle's offense fails. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I think that the quarterback is just another uh, vestige. It's it, of another. It's just another vestige of Kyle. Um, yeah. If you look at it, um, there's been a lot of quarterbacks in this system that have failed. Um, that yeah. uh, Jake uh, Brian Greasy did not do good in this um, yeah. offense. Uh, uh, Robert Griffin III did not do good in this offense. Donovan McNabb came over and did not do good in this offense. Um, the guys who have actually done well is like maybe Matt Schaub. He had like one of the best years of his career, and Matt Ryan Matt had Ryan. his MVP year. But he and was already a Pro Bowler. Yeah, yeah, he was probably the poster child, but he wasn't developed in this system. He, you know, he was already ready to go. So if you honestly think about it, they say that it's quarterback friendly, but how friendly is it to the quarterback if it's up to him to be the point guard? He's got to find everybody. So Right, and you're talking about succeeding. Like, Jimmy got jettisoned out of town. Like, did Jimmy succeed? You, you could point to whatever numbers and record that you want, but it seems a lot like the stats and the record are sort of a – a reflection of other things you know it I mean, seems was like a jimmy, was jimmy De- i mean i know jimmy was eight years in when he got here but there's nothing about jimmy's game that seemed like kyle less specific after four or five years here like oh he picked that up from this offense like jimmy came in with the quick with the quick release he came in with as a matter of fact one could say that athletically and less than experience Jimmy's probably coming out of San Fran a worse quarterback than he was. Yeah, was this a here. successful experience for him? I mean, he got hurt all the time. Uh, he never played well in the playoffs. Um, I, I don't know that he was. And he got ran out of town for a guy who makes like 900K a year. And it took two years to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I, I, was, was Nick Mullins successful here? Like, no. what's he doing now? No. No. I mean, you can put I, up I some numbers. Like- I, I but, feel like saying that this is the most quarterback-friendly offense is like, I feel like that's a dog whistle for saying, I don't know how they get so many open guys. Like, they just don't yeah. understand. Yeah. And that's fine. Like, Kyle's good at getting open guys because he's all about play action and these specialty plays. Where, But, like, you don't win championships based on trick plays where you get guys wide open. Like, you win championships based on matchups. Mm-hmm. Having a sound offense and understanding matchups. And when you put... Tyler Croft against Hassan Reddick and say that's a that's a sound matchup for us. We're not getting our freaking butts kicked in this matchup. I mean, you're not going to win that game because it's yeah. a game of matchups. It's not a game of wide open receivers. That's college. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like you know, look at uh, look at some of the games that we've had. I mean, even the game against Dallas where we put the nail in the coffin. Kyle didn't scheme that up. Debo looked Kyle dead in his face and said, "Give me the ball." Oh yeah, two years ago, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Give Stop me- messing that's, around. That's and I and I need for us to understand this. That's real football. Like yeah. I understand that we're going through the paces of the camp and all of this nice stuff. But at the end of the day, real football is the guy coming to his coach and saying, "Give me the ball. Get out of the way. Give me, give me the ball. Get out of the way. Like, I'm the going, I'm the man. Yeah. yeah, not you. And on defense, looking at Fred Warner or whoever saying, "Yo, we need to stop. Yeah, we need to stop. It's and a battle. It, it's a will. It's a yeah. willpower thing here now. Yeah. yeah. Josh Wyatt says, if we if we reject that narrative, doesn't that mean we have to credit Brock for the success he had as if he had put up those numbers on any other team? Um, so we're going to ignore all of his weapons and his defense. 
look, man, I don't – Brock is a great kid. Brock deserves the attention that he's getting, right? But Brock played eight games, all right? And he played eight games on a team that was hot and already playing well. And through those eight games, he got hurt twice, all right? Also, our, our thing with Jimmy, like, for years was, look, I don't care what his stats are. I don't care what his win-loss record is. Trust your eyes. That's what we said for five years because the stats are very much a reflection of the scheme and the players. And the, the win-loss record is very much a, a reflection of the defense. Like, use your eyes. Is he a good quarterback? Is he helping them win games or is he making it harder? We could see it. The Niners saw it. He's gone. And um, It was taking way too much to win with Jimmy. It was yeah. taking so, way too much. So, that, so now we look at Brock. Yeah, great numbers. Jimmy had great numbers last year with Christian McCaffrey. Great win-loss record. Yeah, Jimmy had great win-loss record. Trust your it. eyes. What do you see? Well, I see a guy who was the last pick in the draft who has more to prove. I love the way he moves around. I love his poise and confidence. But I got way more I need to see. He has way more to prove. He Trust your eyes. You can't make him the guy off eight no. games. That's just no. malfeasance. That is Trust not your eyes. And, yeah. and he says it, it would have put up the same numbers on any other team. Obviously not. Like if you would put him on the Panthers last year, he wouldn't have been putting up these numbers. No. And neither to would say, Jimmy. To say that Brock, I'm sorry, Grant, but to say Go that ahead. Brock would have did this on any other team is disrespecting our team. Pretty much. Yeah. Niner Empire DMV says, I feel like Kyle in big games like the NFC Championship game versus the Eagles or Super Bowl, he outthinks himself when he tries to adjust. I felt he was outthinking himself against the Cowboys too, and a bunch of the players had to go up to him and be like, hey, man, we're better than them. Can we just line up and run, and run the ball? I was sitting next to Patrick Willis. I was sitting next to Patrick Willis in the press box in the second quarter. So innocent. He turns to me and he says, why aren't they just imposing their will on them? He said that. Why aren't they just imposing their will on them? And I was like, Damn, Patrick, that's a great question. <laughs> What's a great question? And then they did. Yeah. And I it mean, takes it, players I mean, to be like, hey, coach, I'm Patrick Willis, man. It's not that hard. We're better than them, and I know it. And then if you really think about it, <laughs> I, that game would have been much different if Tony Pollard doesn't get hurt. Oh, my God. You know why the Cowboys have Tony Pollard? Because the Niners drafted Mitch Wisnowski ahead of him. That's why you don't take kickers and punters in rounds three and four because you're gonna there's gonna be a guy ten picks later who's really good that you miss. I um I, I just believe that he, he for as good as our team is for much as we utilize it, I just feel like you know the day that Kyle doesn't want credit is the day we'll see <laughs> what this team is really about. I love it. That is the the journey and maturity he needs to make. Corey Soto says I. Hell yeah. Corey Soto said, I wouldn't frame it as Kyle Shannon versus JH, JH. I think it's important to consider the era and generations they coached in. I think Jim Harbaugh's style worked in the NFL of yesteryear. Macho. KS may be better suited today. Possible. We did we did touch on that. Like there, yeah. there is an abrasiveness with with um Jim Harbaugh yeah. that like college coach college players can't do anything about it. Like it's an experience. They're stuck. They have yeah, to it's like them. boot camp. You gotta do it. And then you're done after three, four years. You're done. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah. could you take but, six years of Jim Harbaugh if you didn't? Nah, if you're making hard, more than him, it's hard to yeah. take that when you make as much or more than or your more. Coach. Yeah, Fish and Chips says the sideline prowler is high school level. Ooh, Fish and Chips doesn't like Kyle. I think the thing about Kyle that makes him interesting is that he's obviously better than high school level. He's he's flawed. Yeah. He's he's not bad. Like Nathaniel Hackett is bad. This guy's flawed. Yeah, like like Harbaugh. We're all flawed. Yeah. Right. So yeah. saying flawed is it's such a like you know he's what I mean? human. Like stain. Yeah, he's, he's human. human. He's right? human. Right. And because we see him on a regular basis, we're familiar. 
right? Yeah. And when you get familiar, you start just noticing. Like, and since we talk about them every day, we're like, man, it's been 2,000 days and you still haven't matured. Come on. We're it's waiting. Like, yeah. Like, I just, you, I can't wait for somebody to ask Kyle a gotcha question and he just like suns him. Just like yeah. completely yeah. just like gives him a smirk like, nice try. Anyway, yeah. so what we're going to do is move on. Like, I would just yeah. love that. Like, yeah. he takes the bait all the time. Like, yes. just don't take the bait. Yes. Because that would that would show the, the maturity he needs to have. The biggest thing working against him, and it's one of the things I think that makes him relatable. He's like the 25-year-old, 43-year-old. You know yeah. what I mean? He yeah. And it makes him relatable to his players. It makes him relatable. It makes him human. But it's like, yeah. dude, eventually you got to outgrow that. Eventually you yeah. do. And I think until you do, you probably won't win a Super Bowl. I just you feel put like he's got to find his cool. Like, find yeah. that that middle-aged, salt-pepper yeah. cool. Like, yep. like yep. don't go to Cabo. Just go get an old-fashioned and go home. Like, just, Thank you. Like, you're too old for that, man. You're too old. You're too bro. old for that. It don't yeah. look good. Nah. Um, nah. So I, I, I bet your dad, well, I don't know what his dad did. I don't yeah. know what his dad did. Yeah. I heard his dad I, was real good dad. friends with Elway. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway. I, um, I, I, you know, and again, like, uh, another big thing is kind of like just like this, this big infatuation with, um, showing worth from like a from a uh genius standpoint it's like bro um let's just move on let the let the boys play you know yeah. let, it doesn't let, have you know, to be about you man it doesn't you could you could take a back seat with all this talent right maybe like in in philly like sirianni he gets credit for like going for it on fourth down and stuff like that. But other than that, it's very much the players that get the credit in in Philly. Like he's not doing anything schematically that's that. It's not his amazing. thing. You could tell that it's not. not his thing. You know what it's I'm not. saying? It's their thing. You could tell yeah. that. Even with the Chiefs, you could tell that and that's the way a team should look, you know? Yeah. With the Chiefs, you could tell that this is not it, that's their thing. Andy Reid is right. coaching, but that's yes. their thing. With us, right. it just looks like it's it's a it's a big kumbaya session and it's like well, it doesn't it, the way i look at it it's like, it's like a virtuoso perform every every game has to be a virtuoso performance from kyle like he's the guitar player that like interrupts every freaking song for his guitar solo it's like okay yeah. here comes kyle's 45 second guitar solo that was great man look at we how difficult that well. was it's like, that's enough dude like you just ruined the song it's not about you every time it was a nice groove i was i was dancing i can't dance to that freaking <laughs> electric you know a guitar solo like we, I got so that's fever. kyle yeah exactly that's kyle it for Kyle yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Like he's like the dude in the in the jazz quartet who just has to take over all the time. It's like, no, man, you're overshadowing your, your your come on. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's Ron Burgundy with the flute, just like, hold on. I think yeah. I need to play the flute right now. This is very important. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't ready for this at all. <laughs> exactly. That's Kyle. Anyway, Moonman says, Coach Knowledge, what's Mason's role this year? Mason. Mason. Or Mason. I, I really believe, and I was thinking about that too, because uh, I was looking at some Ronald Awad stuff um, earlier today. I really believe that what we all, I feel like we all saw the same thing with CMC this year. We loved what he did for us, but at times, and I and I need to correct myself, because in the past I did say that he needs the love, but at times he was running the ball a little too much. Too much. Um, 
he was being used for carries that, quite frankly, are for Jordan Mason. And they're yeah. going to be for... And it felt like it was Kyle trying to, like, justify his trade. Like, oh, I gave up too much for Christian McCaffrey. There's another touchdown. There's another yeah, touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, okay, yeah. great. I, and, and, you know, yeah. Christian, Christian's just demeanor is that, you know, he feels good to just be playing meaningful football. You know what I'm saying? So he's not going to turn down the ball. He wants the ball. Yeah. He, he feels he feels he hasn't been given the accolades he deserves, and he probably this hasn't. This is coming out party for him. Yeah. he's in the rears. Yeah. He's trying to make up for lost time. He was right? playing the freaking minor leagues in Carolina. No one knew what he was doing. Now, now, Hello? yeah, so, absolutely. So when some of those carries that I see, I feel are going to be for Jordan Mason. Uh, what did I say last year? That, look, Jordan has an issue with blocking out of the backfield. So that's also do they throw him the ball very much? Is he a receiver at all? I don't, I don't think know. He's necessarily I don't think so. Threat as well. I don't so, think so that 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 shrinks his footprint, if you will, sure. on this offense. And sure. but but he's a great guy when you're winning in the fourth quarter and you know that they're gonna run anyway. Like who else would you want to hand the ball Rivera. to? He's perfect. He is the he is the human victory cigar. Jordan he's Mason. Absolutely. Yes. And that's what that's literally what Christian McCaffrey called him, Mariano Rivera. Yeah, he called he, him that. Yeah. Oh, he did. He called him Mario. He Rivera. literally called him that. I asked him. He said, "I call him yeah. Mariano Rivera. He's the closer. He's the perfect role for him." Yeah. So I, I like those carries for him, but I do see for the Niners because we run the ball so much, we get keyed up a lot on who's playing from personnel, mm -hmm. um, from different teams. So one thing that I hope doesn't happen to him is that we find somebody that can run as hard as him, but they can actually be a passing. Kalen Laburn. It's Laburn. Kalen Laburn. Yeah, his daddy say call him Layburn. We're going to call him Layburn. So, Layburn. Sorry about that. We're, we're learning, Kaylin. Sorry, bud. Yeah. Um, I see other players that can do what he does, but we don't know what Kaylin Layburn can do um, in special teams. And that is something right. that Jordan Mason does very well. And I, I feel like Jordan Mason's, though, his size and power is unique. And there's a role for that. There's yeah. A role for that. There, there's a role. I mean, he's. He's the he runs so hard at 223 pounds. He runs I mean, with passion, man. man. Even when he finishes, if they cut runs, him, dude. Imagine him on the Rams. The Rams could use a guy like him. I don't want the Rams to have anything. No, like nothing. Nothing. Um, Romelia Sports Report. We're talking to you. Yeah. Uh, Fish I, and Chip says. Just, oh, go ahead. No, I think that that Jordan Mason. I mean, I love him to death, and he's a fan favorite. But we're running back is what we do, and you can't fall in love with running backs on this team. Also, but, and to your point, he needs to improve whatever he does on passing downs to get on the field more. Otherwise, you're just going to be a closer. Yeah. Because if you come on the field and, and the Niners don't have uh, confidence in you to block or run a route or catch, then you're just telling the the defense that it's a run. So you got to have and, that versatility. And he also he also got a lot of reps that weren't his last year because of Elijah being hurt. True. So he's that being a, said, he's with all these say it again. that being said, with all the with all these you know drawbacks he still averaged a cool six yards of carry so He's i love me some jordan me, mason. yeah yeah uh, jordan, jordan mason's your love guy jordan you mason. were on jm you were love on him it. from the beginning well i mean he's one of these guys like undrafted free agent he shows up to practice every day with his shirt rolled up like who you think you are man who do you think you are you, you, you think you're nick that's what nick bosa does What's and when I, I so it's like okay you really want everyone to see what what great a shape you're in and it was like you you are in great shape, man. Like you have uh -huh. an NFL body is clear. Like you're 223 pounds of muscle. How the hell? And you're running really hard in practice. It's like that probably is going to translate. That's probably going to. And then it did. So yeah. I, I just understand. Like Ty Davis Price didn't have any of that confidence on the on the practice field. It was very interesting to see a, 
an undrafted free agent carry himself like that. He looked like a third-year pro on the field. Well, I mean, again, another thing, too, is that you get those guys who get rude's awakening when you come here about a whole nother level of football. Like, we don't care that you came from LSU. We don't care that you had a That we took you in round three. Yeah. Like, we don't care. He's better than you. He's better than you. You know it. I know it. Everyone knows it. Sorry. He didn't get drafted, and guess what? Nah. We're we're beyond reproach. We don't care if if we'll burn a third. We get praise for doing this shit. Yeah. We, get we do praise for pulling the plug on motherfuckers. That's what we do. So if you think that us being embarrassed is going to keep you on the field. Nope. No. We're, we're, we're Sterling, man. We do this stuff all the time. Fish and Chip says, just let the rookies who show play. Gosh, darn it. Okay. We'll tell him. Steven Smith says, hear me out. I'm a huge Kyle fan, but if Trey doesn't start and we end up in the wild card, he'll be coaching at Texas A. <laughs> I, there, there is, there is a scenario where, I think that if Kyle just leaned in, he could get out of the trade thing if he just played him. If you if you really believe he's not ready, play him. Show it. You got to show, show it. it. And that way, that way, you don't even have a decision to make. Josh Wyatt says, my point was you can't have it both ways. Brock put up numbers, so either it's Kyle's offense that he handcrafted or Brock played elite. You can't make both arguments without breaking my brain. My thing with Kyle is I feel like he can put quarterbacks in, in position to put up numbers and win. But... It doesn't mean that they're good, and it doesn't mean that they'll stay healthy because yeah. that part is on the quarterback. So I don't know. I just feel like all, all the statistical evidence that says Brock's supposed to be great is like, I'm not moved by it. I no, still am going to go not, by my eye test. And, and really, let's be, let, let's be real here. The league is going to tell us that Brock is ready. I, yeah. I, and I, I know that our defense – they, they feel as though that they are great barometers of talent. And, and guess what? Who am I to talk? I just sat up here last week and talked about who I think is talented. We all do. Sure. Right? Yep. But at the same time, there is a difference from what I have to say about somebody and what a teammate has to say about somebody and then what is peer-reviewed, what the league has to say about you. Okay? Right. So yep. and this is something that we do as Niners fans. We try to answer questions that, quite frankly, aren't for us to answer. The league is going to let us know if Brock is the guy. Not yeah. our defense. Not no. our coaching staff. Yeah. Right? That's why we want Trey to play. Because, yeah. all right, the team says he's not ready. Well, I want the league to say that Trey Thank isn't you. ready. Because teams talk themselves into stuff all the time. All the time. Corey Soto says... Trusted. They have no. their own... They have their own motives. They have their own locker room. They have their own people that like to be in the in, lead the discussion. So you got to put them out there to play, right? Damn and right. that's what we got to see. Corey Soto says prediction: Rams are going to get Caleb Williams or Arizona. Yeah. Although yeah. they already have Kyler, but it's not like I, I would rather have Caleb. Yeah, I mean, we got to see him play. I'm, I'm not too hot on young quarterbacks anyway. So I mean, it, it, it is what it is. Fair enough. All right, I got to run. It's been a Mondo show. Great show. These shows man. are getting really good. I love these coaches' meetings, man. Great stuff. Thank you, Coach. Awesome Thanks for show, everyone man. for Thank watching. You. Hell yeah. All right, guys. I will uh, see you in a couple hours with uh, Jason Aponte, Coast to Coast.